The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment. All right, welcome Friday, Friday. We're here again. So good to have you along with us. John Scholes with Savan Tamarkin from San Firu Tamarkin LLP. You want to reach out to Savan anytime you can. So, in fact, you're encouraged to because you probably have a lot of questions that you have no answers to. And Google is not the place to start. The phone call is the place to start. one 855 821 or the firm website, disabilityrights.ca. On the show uh, today, we'll get to three myths regarding car accident claims. That's coming up. But, Savan, always starting with the week that was, what do you got going on, pal? John, good to be with you here and with our mm-hmm. listeners. Uh, let me tell you about an interesting case that uh, came across my desk this past week. I got a call from, um, uh, from uh, an elderly gentleman who had fallen as he was crossing a sidewalk uh, and what's interesting, it was at the outskirts of Toronto uh, into Mississauga and reminded me of an old case that I had years and years ago. And so I thought that I would go back to that old case, even though I'm dealing with this gentleman here, because I don't want to talk about this gentleman. I'm going to be representing him. So right. let me talk about that other case that this reminds me of, because the issue is the same. And it, it really hits back at the fact that sometimes people are injured through no fault of their own. Somebody else's negligence. In this case, it was the city. Uh, but yet, the, it's not that clear. Let's put it that way. It's not that clear that the city, which city or which jurisdiction is responsible for the area uh, where this individual was injured. And so in the case that I'm thinking of years ago, I was representing a 67-year-old woman. She was retired. She was walking on a sidewalk as well uh, on her way to Mississauga. She was just crossing the street. And uh, there was there was uh, a disrepair on the sidewalk. It was clear. We have pictures of it. We had pictures of it. Uh, no question that there were major issues with the sidewalk. And she fell. She broke her shoulder, her left shoulder. She had surgery. And then she developed frozen shoulder. Long story short, even though she was retired and there was no income loss, just the fact that she had injured her shoulders the way she had and the fact that she was so independent before and then subsequently after the injury... She no longer was as independent and she had to have help around the home. Her kids had to help her with various things like shopping, cleaning, etc. We ended up resolving that claim for about $400,000. But here's the interesting thing about that. Here's the interesting thing. When we had gone after the city of Toronto, when we had tried to figure out who was responsible for the sidewalk, the city of Toronto said, wait a second, it's not us. It's the municipality of Mississauga. And so we went to Mississauga. Mississauga said, it's not us. It's the provincial government that has jurisdiction over this area. And so we had finger pointing. No one was saying that my client was at fault, but they were pointing fingers at each other, and that sometimes happened. And so what happened was we started a legal claim against the city of Toronto, Mississauga, and the province of Ontario. And John, I kid you not, but this thing went on and on and on because no one can figure out who was responsible for that area of the sidewalk. I mean, you think that it would be fairly simple. You know, just get the right people in the room, get whoever's responsible for these uh, issues with sidewalks, I mean, they must have maps, you would think. They must have a way of figuring this out. I'm telling you, John, I went after all three of them. I put the all. I mean, all of them had to come into a room. Uh, we, had, we had a third-party mediator, somebody that was hired to try and resolve the dispute. Long story short, it took us a bit of time, but at the end, they still couldn't figure out who was responsible. They all pitched in, all three parties pitched in to settle the case, to pay my client over $400,000. Now, why am I explaining this? Because sometimes, again, harking back to the beginning of the uh, of the segment, 
you are injured and it's not clear cut who's at fault. You may think you know who's at fault. You may think that if you, you know, slipped and fell on ice, for example, outside a parking lot, right. uh, because you know you just I don't know were crossing the parking lot to get to your grocery store or a dentist or whatever. You think you know who's responsible for that area, but it may not be the case. It may not be the entity that owns the area that's responsible. It could be that they've subcontracted mm-hmm. to another entity, and that entity may have subcontracted to a, to a winter maintenance contractor or someone else. You could potentially have multiple parties involved. Now, I don't want to dissuade people from pursuing these kinds of claims for compensation. As a lawyer, as someone who deals with this on a day-to-day basis, and my whole team deals with these kinds of issues across Ontario, I can tell you that we have seen literally, I think, everything. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's clear cut, sometimes it's not clear cut. But here's the key. We have to make we have to do our due diligence in order to make sure that we maximize the compensation that our clients uh, get. There's nothing worse in a case like this than going after the party that you think is responsible only to find out a year later that actually you didn't include another party that has insurance coverage and that that insurance company is not at the table when it comes time to pay a settlement. So it's really critical to do your homework from the beginning. And not every lawyer understands this. Certainly individuals out there, lay people, don't necessarily know this. So when you have a slip and fall case, when you have even a car accident, it's not as simple as trying to figure out what you are owed by way of compensation. There is that additional step at the beginning, which is trying to figure out who are are all the responsible parties or potentially responsible parties. And this can get very messy, which is, again, why we as lawyers have the responsibility to do our due diligence here. People out there who are injured, it's not their responsibility. They just need to call us, and then we can help them figure this out. We're the ones who take this over. right? If somebody calls me right now, John, and talks to me the way that this gentleman did this past week, who reminded mm-hmm. me of this case that I had, he's he, all he has to do is tell me what happened. I'll take care of the rest. My team will take care of notifying the right entities, doing the pro- the, the property searches we need to do. Uh, but the lesson here, this is what I'm trying to get across, is that it's not always clear cut who's responsible for your injury, even though you may think you know. It could be that there is someone else. It could be that there is another insurance company that should be at the table. And if you don't take the right steps at the beginning or your lawyer doesn't take the right steps at the beginning to figure this out, you may have a situation where you're not going to get the compensation you deserve down the road or that it's going to take you a lot more time to get that compensation. So do it right at the beginning. Uh, and John, I want to remind everyone, it doesn't cost anything to talk right. to myself, to members of my team. We're here to help everybody. We do this show. Uh, we provide this information. We provide this knowledge to people out there. If they want to call us, great. We'll help them. This is what we do. If they don't, again, go to someone that knows what they're doing, please. And again, uh, reaching out to a number for Savannah to see one 821 5,900. Uh, let's get into this before we uh, we take a break, pal. Three myths regarding car accident claims. This is key. Even though the weather, apparently, is supposed to be getting better, um, it, there's still collisions. It's a busy city. There's a tons of cars on the road, a lot of distracted driving. Sometimes you're going to you're gonna fall victim to it. So this is uh, this is important stuff year-round for sure. Number one, number one myth is you can claim for compensation at any time, no matter when the accident happened. Break that down. Absolutely not. There are specific time limits, and there's time limitations of when you can claim things like accident benefits, things like uh, tort compensation. Let me start off with something that I think most people are concerned about, which is that uh, compensation for pain and suffering, compensation for uh, income losses generally into the future, pain and suffering, a whole bunch of things like that. You have two years in Ontario to claim those kinds of damages, okay? 
beyond the two-year mark, two years from the date of the accident, you potentially could be out of luck. It means that if you start a legal claim for that kind of compensation, the insurance company, their lawyers, will bring what's called a motion before a judge to knock out your claim, saying that it's beyond the time limitation that's allowable here. So this is really critical to understand because time limitations are serious. Some people don't understand that. Some people end up contacting us, John, uh, way after, right? I mean, we've been doing yeah. this show for a while. We've been doing many shows for a while. And I often get people calling me and saying, listen, I had a car accident three years ago. I had a slip and fall two and a half years ago. I was denied my long-term disability claim 10 years ago. Can you help me? No, we can't. Now, there are some exceptions to the two-year limitation period, but I can tell you those exceptions are, are few and far between. You do not want to be arguing those kinds of exceptions. It means you have a very uphill battle on your hands before you even get to a discussion on what your injuries are, what your compensation is. So two-year limitation, which is why I tell people, if you're injured in any way, or you know someone that's injured because of a car accident, because of a slip and fall, maybe you were a motorcyclist, maybe you were on a boat, there was a boating accident, maybe your kid, God forbid, got injured at school, something happened, there's an injury. You want to get a lawyer involved. You want to get, you want to call us right there and then, and we will talk to you. We will explain to you what the time limitations are in your situation. Generally, it's two years, but again, depends on the scenario. Uh, we can talk about the facts of your case, and then you can figure out how you want to proceed. We're not going to pressure you to do anything, but you need to yeah. understand there are time limitations. Now, the first part in car accidents, which we talk about often, obviously, is accident benefits. Mm -hmm. Everyone in Ontario who's injured as a result of a car accident is entitled to what's called accident benefits, either from their own insurance company or the insurance company of the car they were in, or if you were a pedestrian struck by a car, from the other vehicle's insurance company. Again, there are time limitations here. You have to complete what's called an OCF-1. It's a form, okay, that you have to complete for the insurance company that's paying you accident benefits within 30 days. Very important. There are other time limitations. Uh, there are various time limitations for claiming income replacement benefits. Again, until you provide pay stubs and information about your employment, about your income, you will not get income replacement benefits. So again, very important to understand, John, and I know I've, I've you know, taken some time here to explain this, but... You can't just claim compensation and accident benefits whenever you want. You need to get on it or get someone to help you get on it as soon as possible after an accident. Again, this is when you reach out to us or have someone reach out to us and we can explain to you exactly, uh, point by point, what you need to do and what you need to know. We got two more myths to cover, but we'll do those after the break. So stick around for that. In the meantime, write this number down to reach Savan and his team anytime. Toll free, of course, one 821 5900 Email help at disabilityrights.ca. We'll continue with that after a short break right here in the Disability Law Show. Hang on. You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment. All right, we're back. Disability Law Show, a few minutes to go, then you can uh, mosey off into the weekend and uh, be that much smarter. But you want to reach out anytime to Savannah and his team, toll free. We always ask you to do so. It might just be a basic question. It doesn't have to be a three-hour conversation, just something simple you're scratching your head about. That's why the phone number is there for you, toll free, one 855 215900 is how you do that, or go to the website, disabilityrights.ca, and the email, help at, in front of that, right? Help at disabilityrights.ca. But, Savannah, let's keep going on the main topic for the show today, and that was three myths regarding car accident claims. Number two, if you are a pedestrian or cyclist hit by a car, you are not entitled to compensation. No, no, wrong. 
No, very wrong. And, and you know, it's important that, that we talk about this because I, I did have someone call me earlier uh, this week. Uh, it was a pedestrian. It was somebody, actually, it wasn't them that were injured. It was a friend of theirs that, that, that was injured. The person was crossing uh, on, on a crosswalk, properly so, uh, and, and this was in Markham. Uh, and there was a car, I guess the driver was not paying attention, made a right-hand turn and, and struck the person pretty badly. This person broke broke, broke their uh, femur, I think. Uh, so it, it was a pretty significant injury. And one of the things that this person was told by another friend, incorrectly so, is that, no, you were a pedestrian. Uh, the car had the right of way. And so, you know, you should have looked where you were going. And so you're not responsible. S- sorry, they're not responsible and you can't make a claim here. Complete and utter nonsense. Complete and utter nonsense. If you're a pedestrian, if you're a cyclist, if you're injured by a car, you absolutely have a right to claim compensation, even if it was not 100% the car driver's fault, even if you were partly at fault. This is really important to understand. It doesn't have to be a 100% liability case. Now, something else to understand, in Ontario, we have what's called a reverse onus. If you're a pedestrian and you're struck by a car, you as the pedestrian that's been injured don't have to prove that the car driver was negligent. They have to disprove that they were negligent. It makes it easier for you, arguably, to claim compensation for your injuries. Now, leaving aside accident benefits, which we talked about in the last segment, right? Things like income replacement benefits, uh, benefits for physiotherapy and other types Mm -hmm. of medical treatments you may need, you are potentially entitled to what's called tort compensation. Uh, depending on the severity of your injuries and how much into the future they're going to last. You could get pain and suffering damages. You know, that person broke a femur. Based on my assessment of that case, that case is worth at least $150,000. That's what I told that person. Again, it depends on how they, you know, uh, react to the treatments and how, you know, things get better, whether or not they can go back to work, etc. But at least $150,000 for that particular claimant who was struck by a car that claimant where the person said, their friend said, you're not entitled to compensation. So again, if you are a pedestrian, if you're a cyclist, if you're anyone, you've been injured in a car accident and someone else was at least partially at fault, you are potentially uh, entitled to compensation and it could be significant depending on the severity of your injuries and on the effect those injuries have on your ability to work and the, your ability to do you know, the, the usual things of daily living that you typically do. Let's get to myth number three of three, pal. That is, if you are uh, partly at fault for the accident, you don't get any compensation. Yeah, so we just talked about, obviously, yeah. in uh, in point number two. Very important to understand as well, because, again, people think that if you are partially responsible, then you don't get any compensation. That's not true. It's just not true. Let's say, I'll give you a scenario here, John. Let's say that you are a driver going straight over uh, at an intersection. Uh, you're going straight, someone is making a left-hand turn, there was a yellow light, there's a, an argument as to whether or not you went on a yellow light or red light, etc. This is a case where if you're injured, the other side could potentially have to pay you. I mean, their insurance company may have to pay you for your injuries. Maybe not 100%, maybe you'll be found 50% responsible, but let's say that your injuries, your compensation is worth, at law, $100,000. I'm just throwing a number out there. And let's say that your fault percentage is 50%, so it's 50-50. Well, guess what? The argument then is that the insurance company, for the person who hits you, they have to pay you 50% of $100,000. That's $50,000. You see, it doesn't mean that if you are partially at fault that you get no compensation. That's just no, That's just wrong. In fact, I'll tell you something else. In many, many cases where someone slips and falls on ice, for example, courts and judges you know, throughout the country have said that 
almost automatically, not automatically, but almost automatically, you are partially responsible for not looking where you were going. Now, I'm not saying that applies to every case. Okay, in some cases, you're not. There's no way for you to have avoided the accident. You slipped and fell and you got injured. But in some cases, maybe you ought to have seen where you were walking. I don't know, maybe it's uh, bright outside, maybe there's a sign that says watch out, whatever. It doesn't mean that you don't get compensation for your injuries. Again, if the other person or whoever was responsible for the area was at least partially responsible for your injuries. Mm -hmm. Maybe you get 70% of your compensation that you deserve. Maybe you get 50%. I had a case years and years ago that was worth close to a million dollars. And the other side was 20% at fault. My client was 80% at fault. You know what the case settled for? Close mm. to $200,000, 20% wow. of a million dollars. Now, again, I'm not saying this is what happens in every case. I'm just giving you generality so people understand the way the law works in Ontario. Every case is different. Every you know, fact scenario needs to be assessed uh, on its own, but you need to understand that the fact that you may have some responsibility does not mean that if someone else injured you that their insurance company or them, if they don't have an insurance company, that they don't have to compensate you because they absolutely would under the law. I want to move on to a, an email here as we uh, continue on. Uh, Dahlia, first one out again, help at disabilityrights.ca is how you contribute to the show every week. says, guys, my sister was running last Sunday morning around her neighborhood, and when she crossed the road on a green light on a crosswalk, some kid who must have been in his early 20s wasn't looking and hit her with his car as he was making a right turn. So common. Uh, she lost consciousness, and the ambulance and police came. The kid got a ticket and apologized, but my sister is not doing well at all. She broke two ribs and has a lot of neck pain and headaches. She's very dizzy, and her doctors are saying that she could have long-term damage. I'm very worried about her, especially since she's divorced and cares for two kids under 10. She's a teacher. Uh, What should she do, if anything, now? What a terrible situation. And this is exactly goes, Dahlia, to uh, some of the content, some of the information I've been giving out uh, throughout the show, which is that your sister is absolutely entitled to compensation here. First of all, she's entitled to accident benefits. If she doesn't have insurance, auto insurance, she's going to get that from the gentleman or from whoever it is uh, that actually hit her. So it's important to understand she's entitled to what's called accident benefits. She suffered some fractures here and other types of injuries, so she's going to probably be entitled to what I think is up to $65,000 in medical and rehabilitation benefits, attendant care, etc. So there's other kinds of benefits, which, of course, again, we can help her with. We're not expecting her to do it on her own. She can try to, sure. You can help her, but this is what we do when we have people at the office, and this is what their specialty is, so we can help her with that. In terms of the tort claim, the other claim against the driver who wasn't paying attention here, clearly, look, she's entitled to significant compensation here. We're talking about really serious injuries. We're talking about long-term damage, which is what the doctors are saying. She's a teacher. I mean, I don't know how much she's making, but teachers easily can make sixty, seventy, eighty, ninety thousand dollars. There's benefits. There's all that kind of stuff. She's entitled to a lot of compensation. This is one of those cases. John reminds me of another case that I, I had a few years back. Uh, again, I don't know all the facts of this case with Dahlia's sister, but I can tell you uh, the other case that I remember that was resolved for upwards of $500,000. And that wow. was a significant case back then. And the person actually ended up coming back to part, part-time work uh, after a few years. So the reason why the claim was worth what it was worth is because she had residual impairments. She wasn't able to go back to full-time work for the foreseeable future. And this is something that I can see happening here with Dahlia's sister. Very important to understand, now she may need help around the home as well. 
maybe with her kids, maybe she'll need to hire someone to help around the house. Who's going to pay for that? Well, I'll tell you, it's going to be the insurance company of the person who struck her. That's really what it comes down to. So, you know, and, and by the way, the fact that that kid who was driving that car got a ticket uh, and apologized, that's okay. He didn't do anything criminal from what I can see here. It was just negligence. And negligence that causes injury is compensable under the law. This is right. what's important to understand. Now, she doesn't have to proceed with any of this, Dahlia, but I'd like to be able to explain that to her. I'd like to either meet with her or speak with her by phone when she's ready or with you or the family. It's really critical that people understand what their rights are, John, because if they don't understand what their rights are, you know who benefits at the end of the day? The insurance companies. This kid, his premiums are going to go up anyways. He got a ticket. He injured someone. Totally. You know, yeah. it's not going to affect them other than you know the premiums, obviously. It's his insurance company that's going to have to respond to this claim. And if this claim is worth, like my other case, $500,000 or maybe even more, right? We don't know what the long-term damage here. Who's going to benefit if they don't pay that out to Dahlia's sister? The insurance company. Mm -hmm. They're going to keep that money. Now, if Dahlia's sister doesn't do what she needs to do, doesn't start a claim within the two-year period from the date of the accident, she's going to be arguably out of time to get that compensation down the road. That is the critical thing to understand. You don't have all the time in the world to deal with this, which is why you need to get the information now. You need to get the right people involved now. Once we get involved, by the way, you as our client don't really have to do that much. You just have to give us the information we need to be able to represent you. That's it. It's not like what you see on TV. We're not going to court with this. Yeah. You simply need to do background work to be able to engage the insurance company to get you the compensation that you deserve in as little as time as possible. Once you get your uh, mind together, if you're in a similar accident, just simply reach out to Savannah and his team. Get some answers uh, to your many questions for sure. As we uh, wrap it up for you for a, a Friday, I'll leave you the numbers and the contact information to do so. You never know when it's going to come in handy, right? one 821 5900 is how you continue with that. Email is help at disabilityrights.ca and simply disabilityrights.ca. For the uh, firm website and more contact information there as well. Go enjoy your weekend and we'll catch you next time right here on the Disability Law Show. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment.